Hello, my friends, and welcome to a Q&A episode of this podcast. I have spent a few weeks trying to think about what to do uh, with this podcast that I have now. I do have quite a few listeners every month, which feels amazing because it's so nice to know that you guys like listening and that you, you know, you want me to keep doing it. But um, as you have noticed, I have tried quite a few different formats by now. I always got a lot of questions about audiobook versions of my books and (laughs) I have planned on recording audiobooks of my books for, for years now. The problem is before I started this podcast I hated my speaking voice and especially maybe because English is not my first language I know my English is really bad. I create my own grammar. I create my own language and my own words. I throw in Swedish sometimes. So I was just a bit insecure, I think, about talking like this. But the more I have... I have been doing this podcast for almost a year now, I think. And I have become more comfortable talking, which is really nice. Either way, since so many of you asked for uh, an audiobook version of my books... I started doing these spoken word episodes where I basically take a writing from one of my books and talk it out as I would do if I would record an audiobook. So I guess my thought from the beginning was that I would go through all my books episode by episode, writing by writing, so that in the end you could listen to all the episodes of this podcast and get a whole book in audio format. But yeah, I got inspired and wanted to throw in some interviews, which also has been amazing. I can't remember how many guests I've had on now, but four or five interview episodes, I think. And some of them have been amazing. And I loved talking to the guests It was a real, genuine conversation. I felt like we were having a conversation, not an interview. There were, though, some of them that I left the episode or the interview feeling like this guest just wanted to be in the spotlight. And what I wanted when I started to bring on guests was that we would sort of talk about struggles I wanted to talk about the hard things in life and how you overcome them because that's what I find interesting listening to other podcasts I want to hear people who have been through something hard you know when you're chasing your dream or trying to grow up or love and loss and all of those things all of us we go through hard things but we overcome them and time heals and we need to hear those things but some guests didn't want to share the hard things they didn't want to share anything that had to do with weaknesses or setbacks they just wanted to highlight their success and there was even one or two guests I won't mention names that I just said in the end I don't think that this is anything interesting because I could just write (laughs) an article highlighting this person's success instead and it wasn't anything that I wanted to share here so The interviews, I'm still trying to figure out how to be a good interviewer. I think that is the thing because it's definitely a skill to lead someone into a conversation where he or she feels confident and and safe enough to share 
hard things and go a little bit deeper. I will definitely keep doing those, but I will be a bit more conscious about the time and place that we recorded in. I would love to do interviews where I can actually go and sit, you know, face to face with the person I'm talking to. Because I think that would be more fun for you guys to hear too, because then it would definitely be a genuine conversation where we go back and forth discussing a topic. But lately I have also started listening to a lot of other podcasts where there are two people who are running the podcast. So it's like two friends are having a conversation discussing different topics. And that's definitely something I want to try out now. Um, I have a few people I'm talking to that would be so fun to, uh, if we could arrange it, that we can sit together in a room and just talk about, you know, life of artists or books or mental health or whatever. But then the problem, (laughs) again, is that I am never in the same city for longer than a few weeks and all my friends are usually touring or traveling too, so... Um, but that's where I'm thinking with this podcast for now. Again, it does feel amazing to know that um, I do have listeners every episode and I am so grateful that you take the time to listen and I, I love doing this. Like It's so much fun to just get to talk and especially with the interview episodes, it's been so much fun to get to reach out to people that I wouldn't have had a reason to reach out to otherwise. So. I really hope that you have enjoyed it too. For this episode, I decided to do a Q&A. So I threw out on my Twitter that you could send me questions and I picked out a few of them. <laughs> I always get quite a lot and um, there's, always, there's always a lot of the same question. So um, I have tried to pick out the ones that I, that I felt were things that I haven't talked about before. So I am going to start with my fellow Swede, Sarah Björklund. Uh, her name is MMLRK on Twitter. Maybe I shouldn't say the Twitter names, <laughs> throwing people out. Anyway, thank you, Sarah, for asking this. She's asking top three favorite Swedish artists um, that I have been inspired by. And it's funny that uh, you're asking this now. Uh, Like I said, Sarah is also from Sweden. When I first moved to London um, 10 years ago now, I sort of closed myself off from Swedish culture completely. I don't know why. I think it was just this idea that I had grown up in this city. I didn't know anything else than living in this little city in, in Sweden. And I wanted to just leave. I wanted to someone else so I tried to consume myself in the new culture of you know international music but the last couple of years I have I you know maybe because I am a bit older and I have tried the music scene in a few different countries and I have found myself just falling in love (laughs) with Swedish music culture and I listen to so many Swedish artists especially artists that sing in Swedish. Um, Sweden, obviously, you know, are the leaders, one of the leaders when it comes to pop music and pop production. And it's super inspiring to listen to uh, Swedish singers singing in Swedish when I obviously write in English because 
it gives me I don't know it's like listening to something very very different that sounds strange I guess it's sort of like if I'm trying to become inspired to write a song if I'm listening to a song that sounds exactly like the music that I want to write I don't necessarily get inspired but if I do go and read a book I will definitely get inspired to write a song and it's the same with listening to music in Swedish. It's so different from what I'm trying to write. So I, I always get very inspired by the way people use language and um, especially, you know, the Swedish pop production. And it's cool. I've been obviously spending a lot of time in Germany where the, the commercial mainstream radio music... Um, it's very, very different from the commercial radio mainstream music in Sweden. Sweden is very trendy pop, while I feel Germany is still a bit schlager. <laughs> That's the thing that is sort of trendy in Germany. And I feel maybe the British music is a bit more, how do you explain it, maybe indie? You know, Sweden is very... Electronic pop is what's being produced here. Well, maybe England is a bit more... Hmm. Still a bit more organic, maybe. This is super generalized, of course. There's all kinds of music everywhere, but that's what I how I would sort of vaguely describe it. So, yeah. Back to the question. Sarah, what did you even ask me? Wow, I'm talking so much. Top three favorite Swedish artists. Sure, so... Okay, all of those three artists that I thought of now sing in English. But um, very early on, before I even moved away from here, I loved Lykke Um Maybe I wasn't listening to her music so much when I was younger. Like her first record, I didn't listen to that much. I think it was just her whole vibe. She's a bit quirky and weird and very stylish, but not sort of traditionally stylish and... She sings in this little weird way, and I just really loved it. I can't remember the name of her second record, but I really do love her her latest record. Uh, so sexy, so sad, so sad, so sexy, something. I love those songs, beautiful songs, and um, it's cool how she has evolved through the years. She's done her own thing, and uh, yeah, I'm definitely super inspired by Lykkeli. Another Swedish artist that I love is Tove Styrke. Um, she, I, I kind of dis <laughs> didn't discover her. I knew about her before, but I started listening to her music properly uh, the last year when she released her uh, new record. It's called Sway, and it's one of the best records um, that, that's been released the last years, I feel. Tove uh, was, um, I think she sort of broke in Sweden she was on the Swedish Idol many years ago I was still in school and you know I guess it's the same maybe everywhere the artists that are competing on the Idol the singing competitions are not maybe classed as the cool artists to listen to so I don't know I just never really listened to to what she was doing although I know knew that she was releasing some records but this new record is just spot on. It's so good. Everything is like pure pop perfection. Her her lyrics are just 
like on point, the way she's using her voice. She's using her voice like a drummer, like she's putting the words on, you know, on the beats like a drummer and the productions are just amazing. So love what she's doing. Um, who else? There's an amazing songwriter called that she goes under the artist name Shy Martin. She's also releasing her own music, uh, but she she's also super inspiring. She's doing her own thing and writing pop songs for other artists. She wrote something for Ellie Golding and for uh, who was that now? Yeah, some other big pop acts. I should have looked this up again. What's the band called? The the, the Paris song. Anyway, yeah, you should listen to her. Shy Martin. She has released an EP, I think. Um, it's just great songs. Like there's one song that is called Lose You Too. Super beautiful. And one song that is called Forget to Forget. That is just like such a great pop song. Um, else? I've been, it's been fun now. The last couple of weeks I've been back in Sweden and... Every time I go back here, I listen to the Swedish radio again just to see what's going on with the Swedish music. And there are some um, really cool artists that, <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but that I didn't think were cool enough to listen to when I was, you know, 15, 16, when I lived here, that now are still making music and sort of have evolved just like everyone does. And I love what they're doing now. There's one girl called Molly Sandén that I can't even remember how she became someone in Sweden. I think she was doing sort of the Eurovision thing too in Swedish first. And now she's released some new really cool pop songs, like completely new sound and it's super, super nice. Um, yeah, I got I could talk about this uh, question forever. I listen to a lot of Swedish music for sure. Okay, next question. Navdeep Rahil asks, I'm sorry if I butched your name. I think that's how you say it. Navdeep Rahil. Do you think social media has had a positive or negative impact on the music industry? Well, you know what? For me, if it wasn't for social media, I would never be able to do this I had I wouldn't have been able to find my fan base or get my music out or build any sort of following because I did it 100% through social media I started out on tumblr this is I think I've said this story before but I'll say it again I started my tumblr before I even had any thought of ever releasing music I was just one of those kids who loved um, reading books and quotes and poetry and, and finding art and music and I sort of you know my generation oh this sounds so stupid saying my generation uh, how am I going to answer this when I was in high school that's when Twitter started and Facebook started but I also remember a time when Facebook was not a thing. So I, you know, I <laughs> I met some girls the other day and they explained to me that they grew up with Instagram. And I was like, oh, that's so crazy because I obviously remember when I didn't even have a computer and they couldn't believe it. And it was the first time I felt really old. But anyway, 
when when the social media started, I loved it because it was the first time in my life that I could connect with people outside of my little city, my little bubble of uh, you know community that I have uh, in Gothenburg where I grew up. And I loved my friends here. I had a really beautiful community of people, and uh, you know, I was had good people around me. But it is a different thing when you only connect with people because you happen to grow up on the same street, and then you maybe find someone on the internet that you connect with through something deeper, like a passion and interest, like a book or literature or music or a quote or a feeling. And I did that through Tumblr. I started just posting quotes that I found in books that I loved and wrote about books and posted songs from other bands that I loved. And slowly I found like a community on Tumblr of people who liked the same kind of art that I liked. And, you know, on Tumblr was cool because it wasn't so big back then. Um, So it was easy to find friends and like... I wrote back and forth with so many people and we reblogged each other and it was just like such a nice way to share things that we all loved. Then I decided to like film a little live session with my my computer uh, web camera and I couldn't really play the guitar and it was like the first song I wrote and um, back, by then I hadn't even... Uh, sort of posted my name on my Tumblr, I went under the glass child because I didn't want anyone in my school to find my Tumblr. And I I started also sharing small sort of poems and writings and everyone were just sort of supportive as friends over there. Then I posted the first video of myself singing and I sort of wrote, hey guys, I wrote a song, what do you guys think? And people were so supportive because by then, you know, they were my friends. So they replied and reblogged it and were like, oh, this is so cool. This is my friend. She's singing. Oh, yeah. yeah." And it was just really nice, like encouraging, an encouraging vibe. So either way, I started just building a lot of friends on Tumblr to slowly building maybe a bit more of a following. And um, I started posting more writings and stuff. And at some point I even posted a photo of my face and said I am Charlotte um so yeah that's where I grew my first following and then I started a Twitter that's I guess Twitter was probably where I definitely grew it to the point where I felt like oh there are people out there who like what I do I found some people who definitely told me that they enjoyed my music and um wanted to go see me play live and I also found my first supporters that that uh, donated to me to afford printing up my first physical EPs and um, just all those all those uh, things that that pushed me forward. Someone who reached out and said he wanted to sponsor um, my first merch, like a T-shirt. He said, "Then you can sell the T-shirt, and that way you can pay for you know." some food and a train ride and buy new shoes (laughs) because they those of you remember I walked in the same converse for like two years and they became a bit famous my worn out converse um 
Yeah, so, I mean, definitely social media is where I build my following and where I spread my music and my writings and especially, you know, my books. I would say my third book, You're Doing Just Fine, was the book that spread organically on the internet. I don't really know how it happened. I'd like to believe that it just resonated with people. But I, I put that book up on Amazon and in my own store. I didn't do any sort of, you know, promotion. I didn't, I don't have a publisher behind me. But that book slowly, slowly, like within, you know, almost after half a year of it being published, um, people started sharing quotes from it and it spread to like quite big Facebook pages. And suddenly I found someone who had posted... Um, a quote from it on Tumblr and that quote had like half a million reblogs and it just supernaturally spread on social media which is the coolest thing with social media I feel because when it's something kind of I like to call it pure when it's not a marketing hoax or uh, an ad or something that a company has paid for to push in front of you when it's just very pure it's just someone who found something in my book that resonated with them. They decided to post it maybe on their Tumblr or Facebook and, or Twitter. And there maybe was a friend of that person who thought, oh, this resonates with me too. And they shared it forward. And suddenly there were 10 people sharing it. And suddenly hundreds of people. And then up to hundreds of thousands of people. And it's just super cool, you know, how the internet enables something pure and real to find the people who wants to find it so what was the question do you think social media has had a positive or negative impact on the music industry positive for sure for me at least and of course there is some negatives too um, in the way that in the beginning when I started my social media sites and you know, it was more of just friends. I reached out to people on Twitter saying, hi, <laughs> what do you do? I make music. Maybe we like the same music. Maybe you even will like my music. Now that I have a few more people, which I'm so grateful for, I have, I don't know, I wake up to uh, an inbox of a lot of emails every day and my Twitter is, is also always full and, and, you know, and it's amazing, but I just physically can't reply to every single person anymore. It would be impossible and I would have to spend every single day doing it, which has definitely become issues sometimes because people write angry emails to me saying that I don't care about them anymore, that I have become ignorant, I don't notice anyone. And I'm trying to explain, look, I do the best I can, but I'm also trying to be a songwriter. So I'm trying to write music around our record label produce a record, maybe write a book, also have to pay my rent in some way. <laughs> like, I can't sit 24 hours every single day replying to one, you know, have personal conversations with 60,000 people on an email. It's impossible. So that is the negative maybe, that um, it's easy to judge people. And uh, you never... I think that's the most important thing to remember maybe that if you're writing to someone and for me too you know when I write to someone who says he or she is a fan I still don't know 
that person's day or story or where he or she is or what they have been through. So it's easy to, for me, think, oh, why are they so angry at me for not replying to them when maybe they had the worst day in the world and it would make their world if I just said hello, you know? But it's also important for everyone to just remember that just because an artist is very approachable and active on social media, you don't really know all the hard things artists are faced with on a daily basis. Just like you are faced with hard things. Like, I could have had the worst day on the planet, but I would never go to Twitter and say that. Instead, I'm trying to be positive because I want to spread positivity and good vibes. So even if I am sitting crying, I will tweet something positive. And, you know, it's important for people to remember that the internet is not an accurate representation of someone's life. It is just a very, very small um, glimpse of my life and personality. Lisa asks, this is Lise for Renegade with a three on the end. I wonder if that is a reference to the Paramore song, Renegade. If it is, um, uh, go you, Lisa. (laughs) Um, Okay, Lisa asks, do you have any tips or advice on writer's block? I have so much inside of me that I want to put out there as a writer, but I feel like there's this locked door in my mind that I can't seem to open no matter what I do. You definitely formulated that question as a proper poet. Um, you know what? Writer's block for me is not a real thing. Because I don't believe that you're supposed to be writing at all times. Like, I know that there are these rumors about Hemingway and that he wrote every single day from 9 a.m. or whatever. I see it like this. If you write something, so let's say that I write mm, a writing, an essay, a poem, whatever. I put something out. I took something from myself and put it out into the world. So now I need to refill that place. I need to take something in, so I need to read something, get inspired, listen to music, go to a museum, watch a movie. I need to put something in again. Then I can put something out again. If you just try to put something out, 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 you're going to run empty on inspiration and vision, and you're going to have nothing to create from. You know, creation should always come from a point of having something to say. I don't know who said it it's also one of those classic writers who said if you don't have anything to write about go out and live until you have something to write about that's not how the quote went but something like that like if you feel like you don't have anything to say then you haven't lived enough you have to go out and live your life and collect experiences and get your heart broken and get sad and get happy and feel everything on the planet and go to different places and read hundreds of books and watch movies and get to know people, you know, open your mind. Just take in the world as much as you can. And then I promise you that when you sit down and try to tell about this that you have now felt or experienced or been through, the words will just flow. But, Lisa, I also know what it's like to feel like there is something that I need to tell. I just don't know how to tell it. And then... I would give you 
the advice to. First of all, you need to find your prime time of writing. And the prime time is the time where you don't think about your to-do list or your homework or your bills or the laundry. Some For some people, I know that that is at 2 a.m. at night. For me, it's super early in the morning. That's why I always go up very early and go straight to write. Because if I wake up at 6 a.m. and I open my computer and I start writing, it's quiet outside, no one is awake, I haven't checked my email yet. That's when my mind is clean and focused and there is no anxiety yet, there is no sadness. It's just sort of me, like the pure state of me. And I can write about experiences and feelings and memories without judging them. I think that that is what blocks you maybe that you're thinking about, is it going to be good enough? How can I write this in a good way? Will people understand? Will someone like it? Will I like it? But when you, when I wake up at 6am and write, you know, you, you haven't started judging yourself yet. That comes later. Uh, and, and also, you know, it's about getting into the flow of forgetting about the world. You can't write thinking about what people will think about it. There's no way. I always try to get myself into a flow of writing where nothing else exists. You know, it's getting into the flow. And I guess that is also a bit of a practice thing. Like, I definitely notice if I am trying to go up 6 a.m. every day and I write, then by the end of the week, I will get into that flow faster. But then, like I said again, that will go maybe for a few weeks and then I'm going to run out of experiences. So then I definitely need to go out and live for a bit. God, I'm talking so much. What what was your question? <laughs> Do you have any tips or advice in writer's block? Right, so first of all, you have to experience, live, in order to have something to tell. Second of all, find your prime time. At night, in the morning, uh, also, you know, experiment with, do you get into a special frame of mind when you have music around you? Do you write better when it's completely quiet? I'm going to tell you the weirdest thing now. What I have found after trying to be a writer for many years now First of all, I write the best. When I find myself on my own in a new place, having a drink somewhere where the atmosphere is that something is happening around me, like there are people around me, there's noise around me, but not too much. And I have to listen to instrumental hip-hop beats in headphones, with headphones on. That gives me the best environment to write in because there is life around me. There is no pressure of anything I need to do right now. There is that beautiful mm, vibe I get from instrumental hip-hop. Especially it needs to be that because if there is lyrics in the song, I get distracted by the words. So it needs to be instrumental. And either early in the morning or late at night. During the day, I never really create something you know, at 2 p.m. I cannot create. That's my sort of business time. That's when I do the the office things. And here is the the weirdest thing I will tell you. Except for 
being in a new place uh, somewhere with life around me. I lived for one year in Berlin where I lived in a flat that was on the second um, floor and I had my desk towards the balcony so I felt like I was high up and I was faced towards um, like an area with a lot of trees and it was very quiet and very still but there was still something going on outside of the window and I wrote so well there. Then I moved to Hamburg and I lived in a little basement. So I lived under the ground. I could look up to like (laughs) the sky, but I was not high up. I was down below. In there, I did not write. I couldn't get into the flow and I couldn't figure it out. But as I have (laughs) experimented with the heights, this sounds so weird, but I promise you, it's just. You have to find the things that gets you into the flow. I write best when I am high up. <laughs> That's it. Like always, every single time. So there are, I would I would say there are a few things that I do that I know this is my prime environment to write. High up, headphones. Even if I'm in my room by myself, I can't listen to music on the speakers. I need to have headphones. There is something about closing myself off, I guess, being in my own universe. So high up, headphones, (laughs) instrumental hip hop, early or late, preferably some sort of life around me that I'm not a part of. (laughs) That's how I write. And, you know, that's the thing. To answer your question, Lisa, find your little quirks and techniques. You try to write in different places, try quiet, try music, try different music, try having different clothes on, try being like cozy and relaxed or even, you know, dress yourself up as an author or (laughs) like um, do it early in the morning or late at night or have candles or daylight or like find your little quirks another thing this is also god I'm I sound like a crazy human being but if I have just been eating I can't write I can't be full (laughs) I have to be a little bit hungry not hung no I can't be hungry either then I can concentrate but (laughs) that's why the best time to write for me is in the morning because I just I don't feel a lot you know in the morning you're just kind of you're just are um (laughs) I can't believe I just shared this this is so weird but yeah that's my that's my writing quirks anyway I hope um (laughs) this gave you some advice Lisa Next question is from a very weird Twitter name, um, XX Lord Fan. Plenty of numbers. <laughs> uh, what are your most important qualities in a friend, and how do you think your friends see you? Um, I think you have asked me this before on Instagram. Now that I see your name. <laughs> Uh, What are your most important qualities in a friend? I would say I need, 
I need. I, I love friends who are fun. I love laughing. I want to be able to have the best time with someone. Just joke around and feel like I can just be myself and make fun of myself and my existence and joke about everything. How do you think your friends see you? Well, you know, the thing with me is that I have lived like a ghost, like a dove in the sky for many years. I think I'm someone you it's easy to have fun with me because I'm not too serious about things. I have noticed, I think that maybe because of, you know, my, my music and my books, people who maybe haven't met me think that I'm this super serious person, that I, I'm going to start talking about the meaning of life the second you meet me. But honestly, I think 99% of the time I'm just laughing and joking. And um, that sort of seriousness I take out in my art, in my music and in my books. And I don't know how to answer this question. How do my friends see me? I think my friends just see me as this weird little lost thing who's trying to find her way. <laughs> but I hope they think good of me. Mm, Matthew Corcoran asks, Who are your favorite poets? How do you edit, rework your own work? Well, some of my favorite poets, to mention some, are Andrea Gibson, for sure. She's a spoken word poet. Absolutely amazing one of my my definitely one of my favorite poets today she has quite a few books out now um just just google her on go google her on youtube and watch one of her performances it's just magic i love um richard seekin uh he has a book called crush which was probably one of the first um, poetry books that i read that showed me that poetry can be whatever you want it to be. He's writing kind of, uh, he's writing prose poetry. And that book, Crush, oh my God, it's uh, it will forever be the most stunning piece of creation. It's just so unique how he has written it. Um, what he's writing, he's writing about death. Losing someone to death, someone you love. And the way he writes about it is just, yeah, I don't know. It took me to a different universe. And um, I, I reread it every time I need to sort of remind myself of how much I love language and words. So definitely read that. Um, Jack Gilbert, also beautiful poet. Um, I have written about him before. His life has inspired me a lot. He was also one of those people who uh, lived in a lot of different places. He he became sort of a bit famous in America and fled the spotlight. He didn't like being famous and he moved to Greece. He lived in Greece for 10 years. Actually, he lived... Uh, he I think he lived um, on the little Greek island Paros. Where I also, also where I also spent a month um, two years ago, I think it was three years ago. He lived in Copenhagen. I think he lived in Germany. Um, yeah, his life 
the way he used poetry to tell his life uh, is definitely really inspiring to me. I love Buddy Wakefield, uh, another American spoken word poet who's also published quite a few books by now. If I'm not mistaken, he has a completely new book coming out, actually. I just remembered seeing that on Twitter or something. Buddy Wakefield, you should all um, Google him too. Um, then, I'll, I mean, I think everyone knows that I love Charles Bukowski. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he's a poet. Beat poet. Um, I read him <laughs> so much when I was a bit younger, when I lived like a homeless nomad on the road. I walked around with this super big, thick um, copy of The Pleasures of the Damned by Charles Bukowski, and I just, yeah, consumed him. And then you asked, how do you edit or rework your own work? That's a good question. When I write, I never think about, you know, how... It is like the quality of the writing. I just write. I guess that's called um, stream of consciousness. You just turn off the world and just write. Whatever comes to your brain, just get it out. Then usually, the thing with me is that when I have written, it takes maybe five or ten minutes for me to write a writing or a poem. And then I am exhausted. (laughs) I I have used all my energy to be in that bubble for ten minutes and I just have to leave the computer and then I'm I I call it a day (laughs) that was my that was my job for the day um but then usually I go back to that writing maybe in a few days or even in a few weeks sometimes and reread it and it's cool then because then usually I read it and I'm like wow did I really write this because when you are in that stream of consciousness it's like you are I don't know, like in a different world. You're not yourself anymore. And the words that come then are different, um, you know, from what I would be able to write when I'm thinking too much. So usually then when I go back to the writing, I tweak maybe obviously grammar and and spelling and maybe punctuation, how I um, split the lines or maybe tweak words and stuff. Um, But then when it comes to publishing a book, obviously I go back and and edit a lot because I want my books to be of high quality. So then I reread them, the whole book, uh, you know, 20 times at least. And I tweak something every time. I tweak words and, and... how I place the sentences and also because obviously English is not my first language so I'm constantly building my vocabulary so if I go back to writing maybe half a year after I wrote it I will most probably have found a better word to use for what I was trying to say back then because my English is better now yeah that's how I edit and rework my own work Those were the questions that I picked out. Um, I hope you guys found it uh, interesting. Um, Like I said, again, I am definitely going to keep doing the podcast, uh, but I'm going to keep experimenting a little bit with the format. I still have two interviews lined up with people that I'm really excited about, and I'm going to make sure that I 
am prepared as the the leader of the conversation to to make sure that the conversation becomes something that is about you know overcoming struggles or something that I want you guys to be able to listen to it and walk away feeling like I could relate to that problem. I heard that he or she did this and this and this and that to overcome it and I relate to it. So I'm gonna keep it with me in my life now. Because that's the beautiful thing. When I listen to podcasts, I hear people going through the same things that I have gone through or am going through. And it's so beautiful to just hear how other people go through certain things. And that's what I want it to be. Um, But like always, if you have any ideas or um, wishes or requests, please just write to me and let me know. I am still working on the new record. Uh, It's going forward. Working on a record is kind of like taking 10 steps forward and then taking 15 steps backwards. And then you keep going like that. So it's going slow. But like I've said before, this record is going to be my mission of doing something with precision and carefulness and consciousness. And every single thing I want to do in exactly the way I want it to be and I only work with people that I feel connect with what I try to create and I want it to be the journey of of creating it rather than just getting something out but um, hopefully soon I will be able to announce the first single and the whole uh, plan with all this so that is exciting. Um, yeah, I'm gonna let you guys uh, go on with your days now. There is no fancy music in this episode. <laughs> Again, I've been listening to other podcasts. And to be honest, I have listened to so many Swedish podcasts uh, lately. And everyone has these super edited cool jingles and like little musical pieces in the middle of the episode (laughs) and I'm like wow I'm so not professional so today I decided to just strip it completely because I need to either be professional or not at all (laughs) so today I am not at all but I hope you enjoy it anyway um thank you for listening I hope you enjoy it I hope you're having a beautiful day I hope you tell someone you love that they matter And I'm going to give you this actually, because this is something I have been doing lately. Before you go to sleep or the first thing when you wake up, sit down on the floor or in your bed, just sit up and close your eyes and envision yourself as the highest version of you. Like if you could be the very best version of yourself, how do you dress? How do you talk? How do you walk? How do you spend this day if you could live your ideal self, ideal life? How do you interact with your closest people? How do you eat? How do you work out? How do you um, handle setbacks that will come your way today? Just visualize that person, that you like the very best you that you could possibly be. 
And what you will notice is that when you do this every single morning, slowly you will start to match up with that higher version of yourself. Because in your backhead throughout the day, you will have a role model that is yourself. Like the future best you will be your role model. So there will be situations when you will maybe naturally try to go back to like an immature version of you and you're going to be resistant to something or you're going to be weak or you're going to start complaining or be negative or something. But in your back head, you know that that highest version of you would be strong and sure and confident right now. She would or he would believe that the world is on your side, that you can handle anything the world throws at you. And he or she would just take a deep breath and think, how can I solve this? And then move on. And slowly, you will start to match up with that higher version of yourself. So before I leave you, take a few minutes every day and just don't settle for being lazy. Become the best version of yourself for you so that you can live your very best life. Okay, bye friends. I love you all.